Sing Second Sports. I'm John Schofield. Joining me is Ward Carroll. Also, Bill Wagner will join us for a great interview with the Davis family. Emmett Davis, the assistant coach of the basketball team, his wife, Gail, and their three sons, all D1 athletes. We're also going to talk to Karen Gabera and her team captain about what looks to be a schedule for other sports other than football. So let's get right to it. Uh, Emmett and Gail Davis living right down the road. Emmett, uh, I'll do... Short, short intros on everyone. So Emmett uh, is a two-time assistant at the U.S. Naval Academy, uh, prior head coach at Colgate, uh, back for his second tour of duty at the Naval Academy. The, the most remarkable thing in the words of Mike Heary during his first tour of duty is that he recruited Mike Heary, uh, but that's only Mike Heary's side of the story. Gail Davis, the better side of that whole thing, played uh, basketball at LaSalle, the other good school in Philly other than Villanova. Um, recently, I think last year, right, Gail, uh, elected into the Hall of Fame. And then a uh, former head basketball coach for girls at Broadneck High School. And then all three Broadneck High School graduates are joining us. Emmett Davis, number 82 of the uh, uh, Naval Academy football team, uh, graduated from Broadneck High School. His brother, Shane, also graduated from Broadneck High School. He is the backup quarterback at Lafayette. And then uh, Brendan Davis, uh, who is the most recent graduate of Broadneck High School, a preferred walk-on playing for Coach Odom at UMBC. So after all of that preamble, so happy for you guys to join us. I think this is a great episode. I'll start with both Coach Davises instead of the player Davises. As parents, how has this been? Um, Having three kids who are great athletes uh, at, at varying points of their career, you're worried about their playing careers, but you're also worried about their health. How's it going? I'll let mom talk first, first about that. <laughs> um, well, in the beginning of quarantine, uh, we were extremely cautious. Uh, my parents also live with us, too, so we have multiple reasons to protect ourselves and others. Um, we enjoyed each other's company and we really, all we did was, you know, schoolwork, exercise and enjoy each other. So the first few weeks were great, thinking that it was going to be a very temporary situation. Um, as decisions were made and programs were coming back together, um, we obviously had concerns. However, the main thing for, for us as parents is that uh, Lafayette decision came, and so it really was beyond our control. Um, but for the other two, it's, we really just trust, trust the, the staff of those two schools, um, Coach Kenny, obviously, and Ryan Odom, to carry out the protocols that will make it necessary for athletics to take place. So I think for us, that was the biggest Obviously, Emmett being in the conversations on a daily basis about where athletics are at this point. But for us, we just were confident that those particular coaches and their staffs would do a really good job of protecting the athletes. And that's most important. So, Emmett, you and your son, number 82, Emmett, have a very unique experience in that Emmett is, you know, you're on the staff, you're working in Ricketts, you're trying to do your job. We've talked to Coach DeCellis 
earlier on in this season of podcasting about all of the restrictions and all of the considerations. And then number 82, Emmett, is also a student um, subject to the quarantine, subject to the no liberty until I think today there was a, a, a pretty good announcement, I think. But <laughs> talk about that unique dichotomy that exists between you and, and your son uh, working at the same institution, but subjected to kind of differing levels of the pandemic. Well, I, I would say, you know, first of all, it's been a joy for me for the last four years to have Emmett at the Naval Academy and to see him not on a daily basis, but I bump into him from time to time. And, and uh, it's been it's it's just been wonderful. Um, this has been really difficult for all three boys. You know, Brendan had his senior year cut short, uh, no prom, uh, you know, graduation was a, a, a strange event. Um, and fortunately, he got through his basketball season, but but there were no spring sports, obviously. And for Shane, uh, you know, we, we were, you know, so looking forward to the Lafayette uh, Navy football game when both Emmett and Shane would be playing against each other. And uh, for that not to happen, that certainly um, was a huge disappointment. We were, we were also planning to go to Dublin for the Notre Dame game because that was early enough that it would have worked for my schedule. And that, that didn't happen. So, you know, and, and so many people have had worse disappointments than that, obviously. This has been a, a tremendously difficult thing. Well, uh, let me ask uh, Emmett Davis Jr., the football player at Navy, um, you're getting to the point where you're having to choose a service assignment. Where are you in that process? And, um, you know, I think that that probably has to be submitted soon, does it not? Yeah, yes, sir. We um, we still uh, put our service selections in last week, the end of last week. So now it's a waiting game till November. Um I put Navy pilot first, so we'll see what happens, but it's competitive. So um, it's just a waiting game now. Uh, hopefully we'll get good results. Emmett, there's nothing wrong with being a PAO. I'm telling you, like, I, I know that Navy pilot might seem glamorous, but I'm telling you, I mean, the, the hardest, the hardest of the officers out there are PAOs, as you all know. That's right. Yeah, no, that's not right. Never say that again, John. <laughs> um, Emmett, on another question for me for you. Uh, obviously, you have been with the program four years. You're out there working hard every day in practice during the season, spring balls. Um, you've been on the depth chart briefly a couple times, other times not. Um, but you've stuck it out the whole way. Tell me why you've done that and what you think your experience with Navy football will do to help you as you move into the fleet. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been an interesting uh, career for me. It hasn't gone exactly how I planned. You know, I came in as a quarterback, thought it was going to be great there, and it didn't work out. And I got moved to wide receiver, and Coach O uh, just took me in with open arms. And he's a great person to um, learn from. He's taught me the position, and uh, it's been really awesome. So now that I've kind of made the depth chart now, kind of on the travel roster, it's been really rewarding to just stick it out. But the reason that I've stuck it out so long is um, – Two reasons. One is uh, my commitment to Coach Niamatololo and just he's such a great person and he he stuck his neck out for me and um, he's, he's somebody that I couldn't let down. And the second is just the friends and teammates that I've made starting at Naps um, all the way through plebe year and up to now. It's just a unique bond, as you all know, and um, can't you can't let them down and you have to stick around and you stick it out and the crappy times you still – 
even now we laugh about them. So I know we'll be laughing about them 20 years down the road, but that, that's, those are the two reasons, just the people and Coach Nimatololo and what he's done for me. And I'll ask the other boys a couple quick questions. Um, let's start with Shane. I mean, obviously you had mentioned off camera that you're not at Lafayette, that you're home. Um, there's no football season, but I think that perhaps Patriot League may play in the spring. Why don't you kind of tell me where you are with your football career and, you know, what are, are you hoping to play football in the spring? Is that what you're hearing? Yeah, from what we've heard, um, just it's just been rumors, really, but it's a strong push for the spring. And then real quickly, I'll turn to Brendan as far as playing ball up at UMBC and because you mentioned off camera that you are on campus. Well, you're in an off-campus apartment, but I'm guessing that you're involved with basketball workouts there. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, uh, we have workouts every day, uh, Monday through Friday. Um, we usually do like a lift and then in the gym. And for the first, I think it was two weeks. Um, it was no contact. It was phase one, as they say, um, no ball sharing, no, uh, coaches can't touch the balls or we can't, you know, play one-on-one -on -one or anything like that. But today we started phase two, which is just like some light contact stuff. Um, so yeah, it's been pretty good. So then lastly, for me, that dovetails nicely back to Emmett senior. What's happening with Navy basketball at the moment? Uh, I believe normally during this time of the year, you'd be allowed to have individual workouts with players. Are you doing that? What's happening with Navy basketball? Yeah, Bill, we are. Uh, we're allowed by NCAA rules to have eight hours, uh, four hours with basketball and four hours with conditioning. And, and uh, so we're, we're, we're working our guys out. Um, again, we've gone through protocols. Uh, we're working individual guys out, one ball, one player, one coach. Uh, and, you know, we've had kids come back at varying times and have quarantine for two weeks at the academy. And then once they're they're done with quarantine. Then we put them through our phase one protocol. And we've got some guys that are in phase two now. And uh, next week we'll be in phase three. So um, we're getting closer to what Brendan's doing at UMBC, where they're uh, getting the whole team together. We're not, we're not there yet. Uh, and we don't really know when our season's going to start. We're supposed to start on November 10th in the Veterans Classic. Uh, and that's still you know, the date, but uh, the NCAA is supposed to come out with a ruling in the next week to 10 days about when all teams will start. And the rumor is that it's going to be later than November 10th. So um, we'll, you know, we'll know more. <laughs> Stay tuned. So uh, young Emmett, <clears throat> congratulations on your service selection. Uh, hopefully you get Navy pilot. Um, what I will counsel you there is, uh, I don't know how you did academically at the Academy, um, but highly recommend you hit the ground running from the first day at AI or API through primary, through advanced. Um, if I had studied as hard at the Naval Academy as I did in flight school, I would have been a 4.0 guy and I was a 2.5 guy <laughs> on a good day. <laughs> so, um, but it's not hard because it's things you care about, right? I mean, you're, you're going to want to know uh, the limitations of an airplane and weather and all that other stuff. So congratulations. I hope you get it. Um, I, I am obviously very bullish on, on naval aviation. Secondly, congratulations on the best number you could possibly have on your jersey. Um, so uh, without telling secrets out of, out of school, um, what was the vibe in the locker room after the game on Monday? 
And and do you have confidence that, that we can write the ship, um, you know, before too long? Right. Yeah. Um, the vibe, the vibe on Monday, I think was just, it was disappointment. Um, we have been practicing and I think what, what really was disappointing is that we, th- we had been doing all the right things and um, coaching Neomatololo has been following all this protocol, which is great. And he cares about us um, so much. He, nobody loves their players more than him. And I think it, he was really confident in us that we were going to be ready to hit the ground running. And I think we were just shell shocked. I mean, they were, they were, um, they were ready to go. And uh, it's well documented that we hadn't had much contact in practice. And um, I think we're confident though. We're uh, it was a shell shock and a little bit of a little bit of embarrassment, but we're it's Navy football. We're we'll be ready to go. The coaches are fired up. They're as intense as they've ever been right now, and I'm sure we'll get after Tulane. Gail and Emmett, we're we're neighbors. Yeah, number eighty-two. I think babysat my kid at one point. Again, you know, I've already talked about how uh, Brendan tried to teach my my middle kid how to play basketball. I don't know how well he's doing with that. But <laughs> as a family, you 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 obviously have imbued a lot of a lot of ethics and standards and and um, you know values in in these three young men, and they and they are manifesting those at different you know, institutions at different times, what would you say was the secret sauce? Um, you know, and I know that there's not a, sing, uh, a simple one word answer. I'll kick it to you guys first. And then I'll ask each of the boys to kind of say like, what, what, what led you through all these tough times, all the travel, living in Tulsa, living in Colgate, you know, living all over the place. You know, how did you get through this? Uh, Gail and Emmett, you guys start. John, John I, I would say that, um, you know, being a child of a coach, I was never a child of a coach. My dad was in, in the business world. He was a cash register salesman. And, you know, I, I, I didn't have that background. It's different. Uh, it's a different lifestyle, but it's a great lifestyle uh, for a kid. I mean, these guys, when we were at Colgate, they were on the court every game after the games, shooting around. They were at the Colgate football games. They were having a ball. And we, we just – we really believed as a family that athletics are really important, uh, not in and of themselves, but what they can do for you. And, and I look at our three boys right now, and they're all getting outstanding educations. Um, you know, Naval Academy, Lafayette, and, and UMBC, all really good schools. And they're using sports as a vehicle to get them there. Uh, and all three of them had really good high school careers. And right now, you know, they're, 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 they're having some tough times on a college level. They're not getting the playing time, which is what kids want. Uh, and it's hard as a parent to watch that because we know, you know, how much time and effort they put into it. But um, their ability to persevere, uh, and I will tell you that living at Colgate and having Gail, uh, you know, not have to work during those years when I was a head coach at Colgate and being around the kids 24-7, really in their formative years has, has helped them become the young guys that they are today. Cause I, I was gone a lot, you know, I was recruiting, I was, I was traveling all the time. And so I, I give her a lot of the credit for, you know, where they are today, not necessarily their athleticism, but you know, <laughs> on some of the other areas. Yeah. I would say um, that I think that I've tried to instill in the kids uh, loyalty, number one. So our family would be devastated with a win and ecstatic or with a loss and ecstatic with a win. And, and it really was a roller coaster. It still is, but I think that's okay. You have to realize um, that 
loyalty to your program, whatever that is, is really important. Um, really sticking, working hard and sticking to your goals and realizing that things aren't given to you, that you have to work for it. So I think work ethic. And then lastly, passion, just passion for what you're doing. And our kids are passionate about sports because we are. Um, so luckily, you know, I think living that life kind of got them all the taste of, yes, we want this to keep going. Um, so I think loyalty and passion and work ethic, I think we've, we've tried to say. Absolutely. So Emmett, uh, number 82, you know, what, what got you to where you are? Without a doubt, my parents. Um, it's been uh, their leadership has really from the from the from when we were little. Their leadership, um, the examples they gave us of how to conduct ourselves, how to handle tough times, and how to uh, handle the great times too. Be humble. Um, they've just we've gone through a lot of as a you know as a athletic family, a coaching family. There's a lot of trials and tribulations, a lot of moving. Um, and it's just been great leadership and that's, they're the two best leaders I know. And I've learned from them more than anybody else. So definitely them. Well said, um, Shane, go ahead. And then we'll kick it to, uh, UMBC, uh, at the end here. <laughs> I would say it was our parents instilling in us work ethic would be the number one thing. I remember when we were little, my mom and dad were always say there's another kid out there, same age as you getting shots up right now or doing something else while you're sitting here. So, you know, there's always somebody out there working. So that just, I always had that in the back of my mind to always go out and get some work in and uh, yeah, work ethic for sure. Hey, I'm going to wrap up one last thing, asking Gail and Emmett senior. Um, you talked about the importance of athletics and how it, you feel it really is a key element of developing youngsters. And, you know, it's, Real lessons in life can be learned through athletics. Um, I had kids who played high school sports, and you know, it was great for them. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I mean, I could not imagine a time like this where high school sports has been taken away from so many youngsters. And you know, by the grace of God, if this was a few years ago, one of your kids would not be allowed to play football this season because they canceled it. They, I think, they've already pushed back basketball. Um, can you just talk about, you know, what from a parent standpoint, how difficult this would be if your kids are in high school and being denied an opportunity to pursue athletics? Yeah, Shane and I actually had this conversation this morning. Um, we were talking about at what age is this most impactful, this lack of athletic competition. And, and it's certainly sad at the high school level or at the college level, but the high school level that that's really hard because that, you know, especially if you're trying to get recruited, um, that makes it very difficult. And so I know for our kids, athletics really defined uh, their high school years and their friendships and again, their passion. So I do feel for the high school kids. I, I think it's really sad. Um, and I, I feel for those trying to get recruited. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're dealing with that right now, WAGs, with kids, you know, they can't get on the campus to see the Naval Academy. And uh, I had two kids I'm recruiting were in Annapolis this weekend, and, you know, it was a gorgeous weekend. They're driving around Annapolis, and they're peeking in the gate, and they can't, they can't get in. And it's just, 
Um, it's unfortunate, uh, and they can't, you know, some are playing in AAU tournaments in different regions of the country. Some kids are not. And uh, it just depends on where you live, the luck of the draw. And some kids are making decisions based on, you know, sight unseen, uh, really not having been evaluated properly. And so, you know, you look at the, the, the uh, college transfer portal that has gotten so much notoriety. Uh, I predict it's going to double, you know, in numbers because of this pandemic. Kids are making decisions that aren't going to work out for them, unfortunately. So, but I, I agree with Gail wholeheartedly. A high school kid uh, missing out on their years is just, it's, it's tragic. It really is. So, uh, Brendan, let's end with you. Uh, we'll, we'll edit it so that you're, you know, back to back to back with your brothers. So, you know, growing up, you know, what was it like for you? Because I heard your mom talking about uh, the work ethic and I heard um, Shane talking about the work ethic out there. And I remember with clarity driving down to like Pride of Baltimore and there's, there's your mom out there feeding you balls, you know, so that you can shoot jumpers, which I'm sure she did with your two older brothers. So what was it that got you to the point where you're playing for a team, you know, that just beat the University of Virginia two years ago? Yeah, I mean, like like they said, work ethic. But what ties along with that is the support that they brought. And, you know, coming to every game that they can, um, you know, with my dad being on the road um, and my mom coaching, still trying to come to every game and reminding me, you know, get in the ice bath, you know, eat spinach, all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, without them, like, neither of us three would be where we are. So happy that you guys were able to join us tonight, um, you know, and, and make time. The, f- the five of you with such a unique story. WAGS has been a part, and, and the Capital Gazette, for that matter, they've been a part of telling your story um, all three of the sons going through, and I can tell you from personal experience, these are all people of character and consequence, which is what the Naval Academy, Lafayette, and UMBC are obviously all about because they're all there. And and it all started with Emmett and Gail. Um, thank you for what you've done. Emmett, thank you for what you've done uh, for the Naval Academy, other than recruit my theory, um, I guess. But, uh, um, but, but, you know, seriously, thank you so much for being on the pod and giving us a perspective on what it's like to be a parent of an athlete during this pandemic. So best of luck going through the fall and hopefully we get to see some games from everyone. Absolutely. Yeah, John, th- thank you to, to you and to all the guys, Wags and, and uh, uh, Ward. But, you know, it's um, we're so blessed to have three guys playing Division One sports and have had, you know, a great career at Broadneck and and we thank you for the opportunity to talk tonight because I think a lot of families are going through the same thing at varying levels. And, and uh, you know, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. We just got to stay positive. I agree. And, and I really only did this because I need, like, a babysitter for next week. So. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, hey, um, we're going to go to break. Thank you again uh, to the Davis family. Um, you know, Gail, Hall of Fame athlete at LaSalle. Emmett, the assistant coach uh, for the Navy men's basketball team, and then Shane, Emmett, and Brendan, uh, all Division I athletes uh, to be commended for who they are as young men before they are as athletes. So uh, we're going to pay some bills during break. This is Sing Second Sports. We'll be right back. (laughs) Thank you, John. Thanks, John. Thank you, everybody. You're listening to Sing Second Sports with John Schofield, Ward Carroll, and special guest, Bill Wagner of the Annapolis Capitol.
If you like what you hear, hit like below and share with your classmates and friends. Let us know how we're doing. Hit us up on Twitter at WeSingSecond. That's at WeSingSecond. Now back to the pod. All right. Hey, we're back on Sing Second Sports. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, awesome to be rejoined on the pod by Coach Karen Gabera um, of the Navy women's soccer team and her new captain, Christina Jungipanian. Um, So I think unfairly, you know, but that's only the old women's soccer O-Rep and me. Um, we have been focusing on football the last couple of weeks. But now I think that we're getting to the point where a lot of people are saying, all right, so fall sports, particularly in the, in the Patriot League, were kind of called off or put on hold. What is on the horizon? A lot of people want to know. So, Coach, I'll start with you. What have you learned as the team has come together? You've gotten the plebs kind of you know, in, incorporated into the whole routine. What do you know in terms of what the season looks like going forward? We're pretty excited, I think, because we're fortunate. You know, our players were back on campus on time. Um, everyone felt safe medically, and we were able to train. And we've been training since August 6th. Uh, and that's a long time. That, that is a difficult ride for the players. But, uh, we, you know, you bring your new freshman in. You've, you've got more time to acclimate them to a lot of things, including the pace and your style of play. And uh, we've done a good job with, with, with teaching and, and bringing them in the fold. But our, our leadership, our seniors have done a really good job of keeping everybody focused and motivated. So, um, you know, they're Navy athletes, and you've heard it more often than not that they come to play, they come to get better and they come to do the work. And that's, what's been happening. They've been bringing it every single day. And I think we've gotten a lot better and I think we're going to be a better, better team, better program and benefit from this in the future. So Christina, you're one of those seniors, not just one of those seniors, you're the captain. Um, What have you experienced in terms of the leadership challenge? Um, being a captain during one of the most unique times ever. Um, how have you stayed focused? How have you tried to be a better player, a better athlete, but also a better leader? You're biting off a lot at one time. How's it been so far? I think in calling it a challenge is certainly very appropriate. Um, it's definitely been um, providing a bunch of different obstacles that we've had to overcome, but from each challenge and from adversity breeds opportunity. So here we are. Um, I think as a program, truly taking the most of this unique opportunity that we do have. Um, one of the biggest challenges I will say is um, the lack of plan that has happened in the sense that this is not necessarily a regular occurrence, thankfully, and that idea that the global pandemic isn't um, something that happens very frequently. So um, it has been difficult reaching out for guidance in circumstances and situations that quite frankly, not many people have dealt with. Um, yet it just provides a different road ra- roadmap that hopefully myself and the senior leadership can certainly um, delve into and bring to, into our future careers as naval officers. So you've had to stay particularly focused. Now you're from California. Um, not sure how close that is to the wildfires that are happening out there, but it, it, it is always a challenge to be so far away from home, which you have been for you know a, a great many years now as part of your career at the Naval Academy. How would you say your um, career has evolved from when you first showed up from way out on the West Coast to where you are today as the captain of the team? Um, And how much do you attribute that to uh, either the development you've received in the hall or the development you've received out at Glen Warner? 
and that's that's a great, I guess, retrospective idea. Um, both Karen and I were speaking of this just earlier today. Um, I I am very pleased and very um, proud to have said that so much of my development has come from being a part of Navy Women's Soccer. Um, just that grit and resilience that the, that's inherent in the entirety of the sport, um, but also just the idea that character is so critical as being a Navy Women's Soccer player. Um, so I would attribute a large portion of um, who I find myself to be today when I look into the mirror to the program. Um, but I think an equal, an equal amount will also be that fine balance of the support that I've had from my company mates, from my roommates. Um, so I think as with all things, it's a healthy balance. And I certainly am very blessed to have the opportunity to delve fully into both. So um, I talked on Monday night right before the BYU game to Amy McGrath. And many thanks to Karen for setting that up. And she was awesome. Um, so, you know, I, again, being someone who's partial to NWS as I am, there are so many awesome examples of what NWS has been and what it is today with Nicole Anapu, uh, down in Houston, you know, uh, as an astronaut, uh, Amy McGrath, uh, fighting for a Senate seat in Kentucky. So many women of consequence and character out there for you, Christina, what, what will you take away, uh, no matter what the season looks like, and I'm about to ask Karen about what the, what the schedule will look like for your senior year, what will you take away? And finally, as you leave the Naval Academy, um, what do you hope to be service selected? Um, so it's, it's difficult to pick just one thing. I have um, a small journal that I keep with me um, regularly, and it's just full of lessons that I've gathered from this couple of months spread. So um, definitely, I've learned more than I ever anticipated. Every time I find myself taking a step back, I'm like, wow, I've learned so much. I'm kind of kind of getting tired. And then just the very next day, I learned an exponential amount. So um, this this experience has been um, very much the same. I would I would say that the first idea that comes to my mind and um, just what I've learned and gleaned from these experiences is recognizing the necessity of um, that kneecap to kneecap leadership, as it was described to me, of course, with masks on, social distancing. Um, it's just kind of that idea that you need to have the pulse on you, your team, on your subordinates, if it is your company or um, just wherever it is that you find yourself in leadership, um, recognizing the idea of that um, the leadership role that you do have is entrusted in with you, that you can best serve your team. It's the idea that you exist to perform well for the team and to ensure that their experiences can be optimized. And it's definitely a challenge and I'm sure many of my fellow midshipmen who find themselves in positions of leadership will say it is, it's challenging and it's difficult, but certainly rewarding when you realize um, the positive impact that you do have on those that mean so much to you. Well, when I hear your voice, I, I obviously hear Stacy Finley and uh, Justine Fisher and, you know, a, a bunch of names from the past who, uh, kind of embodied the same standard that Karen and Rob and the rest of the staff embody upon you, um, which is a credit to what they've done. And, and um, <laughs> Amy McGrath the other night, you know, spoke volumes about it, that the second that Karen came in, um, it was a different culture. It was, it was a completely different environment. And it's what Karen brought from the national team and her career uh, to, to lift this program up. So Karen, I'll ask you, you know, we talked at the beginning of the year. I mean, you were the first guest on the very first pod. Um, so, like, 
we had no idea that we'd still be here now in September. Um, how, how have things changed? And now, um, you know, once this pod comes out, we might have a little bit more granularity about what your season will look like. You know, it, where are you? Who do you think you're going to play? And what do you think the season will end up looking like? John, it's been a tough road because, you know, there's so many things daily, weekly, even by the minute we wanted to share with players and team about the direction we were going, but they knew we knew they were going to change by the next day. And they did. So we would schedule a 12 game season and then one conference would fold and then we'd schedule a 12 game season. Another conference would have different protocols. So, you know, it was really a bumpy road for a long time and we didn't want to share that with the players um, to change all the time and, and have them set goals and look forward to something that never came to fruition. So um, it, it was difficult because the players had to step in there every day now and focus and train. And, you know, usually you have a goal, you have your season goals, you have your daily and, and daily goals, you have your goals for just that next, that next game you're going to undertake. So they weren't able to do any of that, not really knowing where we were going. So um, I think we're at a good place because almost every conference in, in the country has said they are postponing till the spring. And so the NCAA has pushed back um, the decision on if they are going to have a championship in the spring. So we're all feeling very positive and hopeful that, you know, that that will happen and come to fruition. And then we have a spring Patriot League season and an NCAA tournament. Um, and, but having said that, there's a lot of programs out there right now where schooling's online and the players aren't even back you know, on campus or near school. So we're still fortunate that we are back and it's a really safe environment. I think the mids and the players are, they've been lulled into this sense of security. And that's why this Liberty makes me a little nervous because, you know, they're tested and they're in a bubble and the staff, you know, we're the ones going in and out every day, but everyone's very careful. Um, so you do feel safe. Um, but we're still following the same protocols. And I know these, these players and, and the midshipmen are smart enough to do the same things outside of the gates as they do within them. Um, and our athletes have been really safe. So uh, right now we're fortunate and we have four games scheduled for this fall. So again, we're really happy. All of this training has come to the point where starting Sunday, we're playing games. Um, we're going to be playing two ACC teams and we get to still have a game against our rival army. So um, it's something that the seniors are really looking forward to. Um, it's something that the whole team is looking forward to. Uh, we have a home and home with Pitt. Um, we'll start, our first game will be September 20th, a home game at the Naval Academy. So um, our seniors get a home game, which is which is just something they've, they've wanted since the start of this. Uh, and then our Army game is a to-be-determined site, but that's the game we'll end on. And we have a game with Virginia Tech in the middle. So, again, it's great for our program. We're playing ACC schools. We're playing Army. We're, we're training at the same level. We still are setting goals for ourselves, and, and we're getting our plebes integrated, and we're getting better daily. So you're not only approaching this, and, you know, my second to last question here, you're not only approaching this as a coach in charge of a lot of players from all over the country. Uh, dealing with this, but you're also challenging, uh, or you're being challenged as a mother. Um, you know, you have you have a son in professional soccer who just graduated from NC State. You have a daughter at UCF. You know, how are you handling that? Um, we talked to Emmett Davis and his wife earlier. They have three sons. You know, across the spectrum in athletics and um, in collegiate athletics. So, f- on a personal standpoint. How do you feel about this? How do you feel about sports coming back and what state should 
sports come back, you know, as you watched the Navy football game the other night, no fans were in the stands. Where are you as a parent on all this? Yeah, I obviously don't get to comment medically because I don't have a medical degree and I, I know I'm, <laughs> I don't have the best understanding there, but it's hard. I think that having my daughter um, back at school on campus and training with no games has just talking to her daily or, or whenever I get a chance to has given me more insight to how some of our players are feeling as well. Um, you know, you learn it's different being mom and being coach are two entirely different things. And it took me a, many years in, in the middle of my, my uh, children's life to try to decipher when and how I would and what was best for them and when to be, which, you know, take over which role. So um, I think it's benefited me understanding the players a little more because my, my daughter will open up to me. Um, but I also feel like sports is a way of, of saving people and, and bringing people together and integrating people and giving people a reason to come out and get excited about everything. So, um, you know, my son, he plays for Loudoun United in the USL and he's been so safe. You know, he doesn't go anywhere. He goes to training and he, he comes home and he stays home and goes back to training and they're tested weekly. And it, it doesn't cross my mind that anything's going to, going to happen there with, with, with the pandemic. So, and our players at Navy have been the same, you know, so as along with the staff. So I, I feel very safe. And I think that, you know, it, it's going to be very good for midshipmen to be able to see us have games. And it, just as it was to see Navy on national television, how great was that? Um, so it's, it's something that, that the country needs right now, and, and I think it's coming back. And if they do it in a safe way, I think it's the best thing to do. Awesome. Well, I, I know that Chris, our producer, has a question. I can't wait to be back in the facility sitting on those hard aluminum uh, stands rooting on my favorite team. So, Christina, I let you off the hook before, but I'm not going to let you off the hook now. When it comes to November and your service, you know, service selected – so many of the players, at least when I was there as, as an O-Rep and so many cents have been, you know, going into the Marines, um, you know, are you a future Marine or what do you hope to see on that paper when you service assigned? So I'm a Naval Aviator hopeful. Um, I hope to be flying um, down in Pensacola on commissioning. So fingers crossed. So jets, <laughs> rotary wing, of course you're saying jets. <laughs> um pretty fast. I, I do definitely, I'm a bit partial to um, fixed wing, but I'm quite honestly in the perspective of whatever the Navy needs, I'll be just happy with. Awesome. Chris, go ahead. Hey, uh, Coach and uh, Christina, I, I have just one question. Um, a lot has been made about the pressure that um, the COVID times have had on professional athletes. You hear stories from the bubble uh, in the NBA. Uh, Dak Prescott talked about how he dealt with it and the adversity, both in his personal and professional life as leaders, as a coach and as a captain, one, are, are you seeing that, that type of adversity from your players and how are you um, seeking that out, recognizing it and helping the midshipmen kind of get through that added uh, adversity that, that COVID brings? Uh, that adversity is there and it's real um, and it, it is taking a toll more so on the players that I've seen in any other year I've been there. So, you know, there's some positives to, um, you know, our players being back to the Naval Academy and, and, you know, being inside a bubble and there, you know, there's some hard parts to that as well. And as you know, you know, it's, it's, 
it's not just about athletics at the Naval Academy. You've got the academic piece, you've got a social piece. So um, these guys get a lot thrown at them. So um, we have to have discussions. We, we have a lot of different resources available at the Naval Academy that, that I'm super proud of because I've relied on them every single year for many different things. And um, it's a really hard time, you know, for players um, at this stage in their lives as well. You know, this is a, a pretty much growing up from a kid to an adult happens in the college years. So um, it's been difficult. And I think it's been difficult for everybody all over the world. You know, I hear neighbors complain left and right about online schooling and, and trying to keep their five-year-old, seven-year-old, nine-year-old um, actually learning. And, you know, everybody has their challenges. Nobody's hiding from it. So I think there's some comfort in knowing that everyone's going through it. Um, but it is hard. Uh, but once again, like I think you've heard me say it before and I'll say it again, I'm at the best place in the world. You know, I'm at the Naval Academy and I'm coaching these kids that are so driven. And as you can tell from, from Christina talking, so articulate, so smart, so together and such good leaders that, you know, I, I learn from them every day. So I think we're getting through it together, the players and the staff. Well, Christina, you know, again, someone is very partial at NWS. Thank you for what you've done. I wish you the best of luck in getting aviation. I hope that I hope that comes true. And I hope you beat the hell out of Virginia Tech and Pitt and especially Army, obviously, going forward. Karen, again, thank you so much uh, for coming back on the pod and announcing this particular schedule going forward. And we hope that you know, we, we continue to advance to some level of normalcy. Um, thank you, both of you, for coming on the pod, uh, kind of contextualizing what you're going through, both as coaches and players. And then uh, we wish you the best of luck going forward. Thank you. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. It's, it's always an honor to be on this. Thank you so much. No, thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, best that was Coach Karen Gabera and Christina Janjapanian. We are going to go to break. When we come back, we'll take it out. Uh, another great pod with all sorts of awesome guests. Stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. If you're interested in sponsoring the podcast, please shoot us a DM at We Sing Second. That's at We Sing Second. There are a number of national and local sponsorships still available. Okay, we're back. What a fantastic pod. Before we go, the big thing uh, that we'd like to cover that I think a lot of people saw break over the weekend, but in case you haven't, is that there are some second and third order effects to the Dalen Morris selection at quarterback. Wags broke that story as always on uh, the Capitol Gazette. Wags, a little bit more context of that maybe for the listeners. Well, it was rather interesting. On Thursday, we had a Zoom presser with Ivan Jasper, the offensive coordinator who coaches the quarterbacks, and I was pressing him about are you going to reopen the quarterback competition? I mean, did we know Dalen didn't look so swift against BYU? And, you know, Perry didn't fare a whole lot better, but he did look just a bit more comfortable, and he did break off a long run. So, you know, it just seemed that based off the first game and also the fact that you had not been practicing live and now you're going to start practicing live, guys look different against live contact, I would imagine. So – he, Ivan kind of deflected that. He, he would say, yeah, yeah, we're going to evaluate it over the next few weeks. But he didn't come right out and say that, yes, we're going to open the quarterback competition. And I can only gather that the decision was no. They're going to stick with Dalen Morris. That I guess they're going to give him a do-over and say, you know, it was one game. It wasn't his fault. So many things went wrong, blah, blah, blah. 
and he doesn't deserve to lose a starting job over that. Well, apparently Perry Olsen was not happy with that, and obviously something happened on Friday. There, he must have gone in to speak to Coach Jasper and talk about the situation, but all we know is that before he did not wind up practicing Friday, and by 6.45 Friday evening, Perry Olsen had entered the transfer portal. The question I had, maybe it'll get answered next week since a lot of this broke over the weekend. Do they slide Chance Warren back into the backup job? Like, so what does this do? You know, because it really, really hurts the team in my estimation in that you're going to have to rob Peter to pay Paul to some degree and that you already have a very weak, not weak, but very depleted slot back position. And really it looks like that slot back position is where you have to go to uh, to get a backup quarterback. I mean, shoot, we just talked to Emmett Davis uh, you know, during this pod. I mean, shoot, maybe Emmett, who is a great quarterback at, uh, at Broadneck, even gets back on the depth chart. But it, it really seems like chaos abounds here. What do you think is going to happen? Well, first of all, John, I'm going to say I'm very surprised. I, I've never heard of someone who transfers after one game, and especially with the way that game unfolded, and – also, with Navy now announcing that it's going to start padded practices, contact practices, uh, I think Perry Olson was going to win the job back. That's just my personal opinion. I think that eventually they were going to go back to Perry. So I'm not sure why Perry has given up so easily. And I'll be perfectly honest with you, anybody that would give up so easily probably shouldn't be in the United States Navy because you're going to face with a lot – tougher setbacks than this. Now, we don't know what happened. Maybe something happened where just Perry was so angry and so upset he just couldn't play here anymore. I don't know, but I'm very surprised because I think if he put his down nose to the grindstone, he could have earned this starting job back, and he's only a sophomore. He played last year as a freshman. He had been at the Naval Academy Prep School, so he got he learned the offense enough at the prep school that he came in as a freshman and looked pretty good, and earned the backup job, played as a freshman. And I just don't understand why he would, after one game, throw in the towel and say that's it. So I'm very, very surprised. As far as what happens, um, I don't think they're going to go to the Chance Warren well just yet. Um, I think they've got a kid, Masai Maynard, that they like. He was in the program last year. Um, he, they like him. I know they've talked, spoken highly of him. They've got Tiger Goslin. They've got some other guys, and there's a freshman named Xavier Arline that is a very athletic kid, was a really big-time quarterback in high school on Long Island. Now he's a higher-rated lacrosse player. He's like the fifth-rated uh, prospect in, in his class by inside lacrosse, so it's a huge get for Navy lacrosse. But for now, he's focusing on football first, and he's a talented kid. So I think they'll – see what they have at quarterback right now before making the emergency pull of having to move Chance Warren over. But obviously that is another option. Yeah. Chris, did you have a question? Yeah. I mean, well, not so much a question. I, this whole thing, I mean, it, I just found it very bizarre. I mean, I, you know, when I saw Wag's story pop, I, I mean, you could have knocked me over with a feather. Uh, I mean, for as long as I remember, even when there was a clear starter at quarterback, there was always a number two guy that you felt good that either if the, the first guy stumbled or, uh, um, or God forbid got hurt, you know, that number two person could step in. And even as 
poorly as they played in the game, uh, the first game, I kind of felt like we were settling into that scenario. And I kind of liked the idea that this guy could be the backup for a, for a year or, or, you know, step in as needed. And he would have been in a really great spot, uh, you know, come next year. And, and I think the job would have been his. Um, just something just to, does not sit right about this with me. I agree, Chris. So I, I, that you basically echoed my sentiments exactly. I, I've never heard of someone transferring one game into the season, and that person played an entire half. He went in at, at, at to the second half and played the whole rest of, of the game. I mean, and there, whether Dalen Morris starts against Tulane or not, which obviously he's going to now, but had Perry stayed and had Dalen started against Tulane, he had a short leash. They were not going to give him a long leash. If he did not look good on the first couple series, Perry would have been in there. I mean, they like Perry, and there's not that great of a separation. So, again, I just don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. But the bottom line is Navy has been hurt. They had two credible quarterbacks. We don't know how good either of them really is at this point because we haven't seen enough sample size. But now you're down to Dale and Morris and a bunch of – really young, inexperienced kids. And if, God forbid, Dalen Morris gets hurt, you're, you're going to somebody who hasn't played at all. Yeah, and, and I keep coming back to two points. Yeah, for me, this season is all about two things. Number one, like I said at the very beginning of our football coverage, is that I do not remember after 20 years of following uh, Navy football fairly closely, I do not remember this many names in the transfer portal. I said it months ago. I'm saying it again right now. Perry Olson wasn't even the only guy this week. Uh, you know, one of the reserves, I, I believe, on defense also put his name in the transfer portal. You know, you see a lot of this over the summer before two for seven, I think, but certainly not like this. Um, just a very, very bizarre offseason, number one. And then my second point, I, I again, will reiterate that I just wonder how much people are pressing the this isn't a real season asterisk button, you know, where, hey, if ever we're going to experiment with something, if ever we're going to go, you know, sort of, you know, not have a great season, this is certainly that asterisk season where, where there's just tumult and craziness everywhere. Um, you know, it, it just, I, I know that particularly in football, you can't play at half-assed or half-speed. You're, you're, you're all in or you're nothing. But it, I just wonder how much teams are now saying, like, well, yeah, it, it's, it's just going to be a lost season anyway. Um, but, you know, again, I, I don't think Clemson's saying that. They won big the other night and are the prohibitive favorites to be the national champion. So we'll see. Um, Going forward, of course, Wags will cover it more, um, and and Chris and Ward and I will will do our best to keep our finger on the pulse. The other big breaking news before we go out: there is other sports on the schedule. If you go to NavySports.com, uh, the men's and women's uh, teams put out, as Karen was saying during this pod, uh, their schedules are published and out there. If you want to see soccer. On Sunday, September 20th, women's soccer plays the University of Pittsburgh in Annapolis at 2 p.m. Men's soccer plays Syracuse on Friday, September 25th, and then there are other games on the schedule for them. Unclear right now if uh, fans can be in the stands. I'm sure that, that info will be promulgated, but more and more sports are putting out info as they've worked with other teams and other institutions to get a schedule together so that these athletes can complete the physical mission at the Naval Academy, which is important. 
So um, I'll, I'll leave it to Wags for any last thoughts from, you know, from beautiful Ocean City, Maryland. Well, first of all, while we're talking about the Navy Olympic sports, um, what happened there was that I think that, that Karen Gabera, the women's soccer coach, and Tim O'Donoghue, the men's soccer coach, they got word pretty strongly that Patriot League's going to play in the spring. And that changed their mindset because now they're looking to build a really nice schedule in the spring. So they didn't want to, you know, burn all their uh, whatever, you know, shoot all their arrows during the fall semester. Nobody's playing anyway. Um, so this is almost like a, a flip-flop because soccer has a spring training season, and I think they're allowed to play a scrimmage or two against an opponent if they choose. But that's basically what they've done here because originally Karen and Tim were talking about trying to build like maybe eight game schedules and then it just became too hard. And once they realized, hey, we're going to have a uh, – and remember they talked about Army possibly home and home and a neutral site, so three Army-Navy soccer games. But they, once they realized that it looked very, very probable they were going to play in the spring, the Army thing was out the window. They, they're going to play Army in the spring – twice, one of which will be the star game. So here in the fall, they're playing Army in what's called a friendly. If you go and look at the schedule, they'd only enlist that on the schedule. So I think women's soccer has three games and the men's soccer team has two. Uh, cross country has an Army meet and a, and a tri-meet service academy meet. So basically what the Olympic sports are doing is basically, you know, a, an off season uh, with a couple competitions. And Frankly, it's good for Navy because most programs are not even together, not competing. Navy's getting a fall semester of practice and training with a couple games thrown in, and they're going to be in real good shape going into the championship season in the spring. Um, the other thing I'll mention, John, going back to your talking about, you know, what kind of college football season is this? Well, already we're starting to see some stuff happen. Memphis had to cancel its game with Houston because Memphis had 20 players out either due to COVID or contact tracing. Virginia Tech had to cancel its game with Virginia or postpone rather because of the same thing, coronavirus outbreak. Guess who else had a little bit of a coronavirus problem and had to punt on their next game? Um, not Maryland. BYU. Who? BYU. Oh, that's right. I saw that. Oh, right. Wags. I was, was going to say like – and had coronavirus issues, and now they can't play Army on September 19th. They're, they're postponing the game. So it was, it was just like the last time you were at Navy Marine Corps Stadium covering the uh, lacrosse tournament. You know, like, oh, that, someone tested positive. Do you, do you have to get another test now based on being in the uh, press box? I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, I mean, it just goes to show, and that's something that, you know, the Navy trainer, Jim Barry, had said. I feel good about what we're doing here on the yard. I feel good about our protocols here and the bubble that we've created. But it all goes out the window when we travel. When we travel, we got to go get on a bus and go to an airport. We got to get on an airplane. We got to go to a hotel somewhere in some foreign city. I mean, it just opens up a myriad of possibilities. I guarantee you, BYU's issues occurred due to travel. Somehow, some way, during the travel process, they got. One or two guys got it. They spread to the others, and now they got a little bit of a problem, and they can't play Army as scheduled on September 19th. So it, this is going to be a weird season. You're going to hear almost weekly that games have been postponed, canceled, what have you, because someone had an outbreak. So Navy's first 
battle with this is when they have to go to New Orleans to Tulane, and that's their first travel, and we'll see what happens after that. We'll keep our eye on that. You know, I know that Karen is probably bitter that, uh, you know, here the Navy men's team is playing the NC State men's team just a year too late. If it was last year or the year before, uh, Karen could have seen her son, Tyler, who uh, started left back, I believe, for NC State play against Navy, but uh, not to be. He now plays for Loudoun United out in Virginia. Um, so, yeah, we'll keep our eye on that. I know that as the soccer fan here, and I know Chris, you're a soccer fan as well, that we, you know, we hope that we can get in the stands and watch them. We'll see what they put out. Last bit of news uh, we all talked about, and, and Bill wrote a great story about Malcolm making the, the Dolphins 53, uh, their 53-man roster, which is an incredible accomplishment. Um, and people caveat it with like, oh, well, a bunch of guys opted out for the Dolphins in skill positions. I, I honestly don't believe that. But um, so the Dolphins just played today as we're finishing up this pod. They lost to New England. Wags, um, I, I, I know that you knew that Malcolm was, uh, you know, was inactive for the game and didn't dress. But do you foresee, like, in the future, a chance for Malcolm to contribute to them? I really do. I think he's got a great skill set, and they wouldn't have kept him on the 53-man roster if they didn't intend to use him. I think he's just still learning, and, uh, you know, probably they're – erring on the side of caution, let them get to know the offense better. I think they may also still be trying to figure out exactly how they want to use them or use Malcolm. They made a trade at the very end, right before cutdowns, for a guy who's been both a tailback and a receiver. So I think that guy's – adding that guy to the roster may have impacted Malcolm. But the good news for Malcolm is he's not – he's on the active roster, so – Active or inactive, you still get paid. Game check, baby. And hopefully when the Tua experiment starts, the, uh, the Malcolm Perry experiment starts. Um, so, hey, awesome pod, awesome conversations. Um, really, really thankful again to the entire Davis family for jumping on a Zoom family reunion uh, with us. And uh, to Karen and Christina Junjapungian. Uh, for telling us a little bit more about the women's soccer season. For more information on... Uh, all women's sports, all men's sports, all Naval Academy sports, go to NavySports.com. Scott and his team do a great job of publicizing everything. And as always, you can check our social media uh, at we Sing Second on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and again, please recommend the pod. Please subscribe. Please like. And until next week, for Bill Wagner, for Chris Ravello, and Ward Carroll, I'm John Schofield. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.